0: Word for today, a ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church in Egan, Minnesota. It is our prayer that the message from God's Holy Word would bring a new and deeper love for Jesus in your life. Welcome to Living Word Lutheran Church, I'm Pastor Nathan Olson, and it's a blessing and a joy to share God's Word with you today. Here at our church, we believe that every single time we open up the Bible, that something miraculous takes place. That this is not some ordinary book that you would find on your shelf, but that this is the inspired, inerrant Word of God, true from cover to cover. And because of those convictions, we come with an expectancy to hear the Word of God proclaimed. We believe that God uses His Word in our lives to convict us of sin to call us to follow after Jesus, and then teach us what it means to live as a Christian. It's our prayer that for you today, as you come and hear God's word, that this transformative work would happen in your life as well. Would you join me in word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we bow before you today. We ask that, Lord, you would do as you promised to do through the declaration of your word, that you would even use a simple messenger Lord, to proclaim your word with all the truth and purity, the excitement that your word deserves. Heavenly Father, speak to your people now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Right now at Living Word, we are going through a sermon series on the book of Jude, just a short little chapter there, 25 verses at the end of the New Testament, right before Revelation. And uh, looking forward to kind of walking through this verse by verse as we think about the general theme that Jude is writing about here, life on the narrow road following after Christ. Uh, Jude is writing to an audience of Jewish believers, those who had um, come to follow after Jesus, but needed a little bit of uh, help and a little bit of things to be addressed in their lives. Uh, Many of them needed to be reminded to keep running the race that was set before them, to not get complacent, to not get apathetic, but to live with an expectant hope of Jesus' coming again and to live their lives in light of that. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been reminded throughout the other verses in Jude here of Jesus' second coming, his coming to judge the living and the dead. And as Jude continues throughout his letter, he shifts his focus to the last days, uh, to kind of what's coming up ahead. And it's not just a letter about how these Christians are to live in their current circumstances, but also how they're to live in light of eternity, how to live in light of Jesus's return. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to look there at verse 17, starting there, reading through verse 23, and kind of get a glimpse of there what uh, Jude is writing about. waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. One of the things that we see Jude address right away in verse 17 and 18 is that in the last days, that ungodliness will reign. That there will be many who are scoffers of God who, instead of following after the Lord, instead follow their own passions, follow their own ways. They're described here in verse 19 as ungodly, worldly, divisive, and devoid of the Spirit. In other words, as the world comes to an end, Jude's pronouncement is that it's going to be getting worse and worse. Uh, Similar to the days of Noah. You Remember that? There was only eight righteous, Noah, his three sons, and their wives. Everyone else had grown more perverse and wicked as that day of the flood approached. Jesus, saying the same thing in Matthew 24, says, As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. What we see in the days of Noah is that people were living their lives without any care of God, or any seeking of Him. Uh, corruption was abounding, and no one was aware that the, the, the flood would be upon them. And in the same way, Jesus says it's going to be a similar. At the end of all days, people are going to be pursuing their own agendas, their own things, worldly passions and desires. No one will be ready for the coming of the Son of God. You must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles. They said in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. So how do we live in response to that? Do we know that that's going to come? That as the last day approaches, that we're going to be seeing an abundance of, of sinful perversity, people who are scoffers of God and of his ways, devoid of the Spirit. How do we live in light of that upcoming reality? Well, Jude outlines seven things here that we should keep at the forefront of our mind as we think about living lives that are ready, in verse 20, he says, Beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Friends, the good news that we get to rally around today is that Jesus is coming soon. He's coming to redeem those who are His from a sinful, perverse world that we live in, to take us to a place to be with Him forever. And I'm looking forward to that glorious day. And in the meanwhile, our call is to be ready. And Jude outlines seven, seven different uh, things here for us to uh, prepare in our lives for that day. And it's our prayer that God who works all good things in everyone, would work these out in us as well. And so we're going to just take a moment to look at some of these things carefully. Consider what Jude outlines here. Uh, There are seven things that Jude points out here for our ready life. Uh, Number one, build yourselves up in the faith. Uh, Number two, praying in the Holy Spirit. Number three, keep yourselves in the love of God. Number four, wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number five, have mercy on those who doubt. Number six, save others by snatching them out of the fire. And number seven, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Well, I just want to look at these and consider what Jude is exhorting us toward as we wait for this glorious day of Christ's return. Uh, first one there, build yourselves up in the faith. Uh, what we are, are called to do as a Christian community as we are in this time of, of waiting for the Lord's return to be with him forever, is to be building ourselves up uh, in the faith, uh, being fed on the word of God, being sharpened by its teaching and proclamation. And this primarily happens through the ministry of God's church. He's uh, brought his church together for the building up of the saints. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Our goal as we're waiting for Christ's return is not to just become complacent, to just become islands off to ourselves. So we have our relationship with Jesus. Now we're good. Now we're quote unquote fine and just go with the flow as life brings it. No, our call is to continually build up ourselves in the faith that we've been called to to be centering our lives on the word of God. It's preaching, it's teaching and ministry. And that principally happens in the congregation. This is the kingdom of God where he builds and sharpens those who are his. And so it's often so ironic to me to hear people who will say things like, well, pastor, you know, I'm, I'm continuing to follow the Lord. You know, I'm good with him. My life is, is well following after him. And then I like never see them in church. And I just look at them and, th- and think in my mind, you know, do you not see the hypocrisy there? Do you not see the incongruence where you're, you're proclaiming yourself as a Christ follower who's doing well, but yet you're not putting yourself in a, into a situation where you can be built up and strengthened in your faith, that you can be sharpened. Now Jude says that we're not just to be tools laying around dull, but that we're to be Tools that are being used by God, building one another up, sharpening each other through the ministry of the church, as we wait for Christ's coming. The second thing that he mentions there about being ready is prayer and praying in the Spirit. And when we think about uh, the life of prayer, it's not uh, something that maybe gets as much attention as it should. You know, we spend a lot of time focusing on the proclamation of the word. It's its teaching and preaching which we should but also just in hand in hand with that it is a need to come before the lord and to seek his will to seek his direction to be led by his spirit and that's what paul, um, i believe jude is really getting at here in verse 22 and 23 what does it look like for the church of god to be led by god and his spirit uh, paul writes about this in ephesians chapter 6 And talking about the armor of God here, at the very end of that portion, he says in verse 18, pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Uh, This idea of living out the Christian life, Paul says, is intricately woven together and connected with prayer. Uh, Interceding one for another. Uh, to be seeking the Lord's direction and being led by him. Uh, I still remember many times when I would get together with my grandmother and uh, just talk with her about her walk with the Lord and just listen to her pray. And it was always amazing for me to just uh, listen to this dear woman of God who had followed him so faithfully throughout her life, just to listen to her prayer life. Uh, it would almost bring me to tears as I hear just the genuineness in and, and her voice and, and to listen to her prayers, the prayers of someone who really walked closely with the Lord, uh, praying led by the Spirit of God. And we see Paul write in, in Romans chapter 8 verse 26 that sometimes we don't always know how best to pray. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I would like to to be better at praying I just don't know what that even looks like. Well, one of the promises that we have in God's word from Romans 8:26 is that the spirit of God even helps us in this. Even leads us in our prayer. It says the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That the spirit of God comes alongside his people And leads them and guides them even in their prayers as we seek the Lord. The third thing that Jude mentions here in verses 21 and 22 is that they would keep themselves in the love of God. And I think that this is an important one to remember. Sometimes when the world around us is in chaos and confusion, uh, living lives that are ungodly and devoid of the Spirit, there's not always a lot of love that's there. Um, Maybe it's talked about. Maybe the word love is used, but there is not a, uh, a real love that's present in the world. It's a love that's oftentimes based on emotions, based on feelings. What am I going to gain from this? It's a selfish love. But the love of God is a far different kind of love. It's a committed love that's committed to us unconditionally, not based on any of our circumstances or actions, uh, that love of God that is an anchor for our souls. And Jude reminds us as we wait for the glorious day of Jesus' return to keep ourselves in the love of God, uh, to be reminded whose we are and what God says about us. And this first and foremost happens, friends, by keeping ourselves centered in the gospel, that we would hear regularly preached to us the love of God proclaimed. That we would never tire of hearing how God demonstrates his love for us. That while we were sinners, unworthy of his affection, that Christ came to die for us. And then, that secondly, we would surround ourselves with the body of Christ, which is the love of God revealed for us. And it's not just proclaimed, but we also see it visibly enacted when we surround ourselves with the body of Christ. And frankly, this last Year has been hard for that with, uh, with COVID. I know a lot of churches have maybe been closed for a portion of that time. And with distancing rules, etc., it's maybe seemed more difficult to feel a closeness there with our brothers and sisters as we used to have. And um, I'm relentlessly pursuant as a pastor to, to reinstate that because I believe that the keeping ourselves in the love of God is intricately connected with our keeping ourselves in the fellowship of the body of Christ. That this is where the love of God is revealed to us. The fourth thing that Jude mentions there is to wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Uh, Each and every one of us, friends, have this expectant hope that's within us. That this life isn't the end. That there's something greater prepared for us that Jesus calls us to this eternal life. And in the meanwhile, we're waiting. We're waiting for that promise of God that is coming to us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time uh, this promise of God that's ours that has been given to us as a seal by his spirit is one that we're waiting to receive and so there's a, a patience there that's demanded of us there's a, a self-control that we're called to have as we think about this inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, kept in heaven for you. And as we look at the world around us, that seems like it's uh, ever faltering, ever failing. Jude would remind the Christians there, and for us today as well, to keep our eyes on the prize, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. The fifth thing that Jude mentions there. In verses 22 and 23, is that as we look to Christ's return, we would have mercy on those who doubt. And this might be a little bit of a hard one for for some of you to hear today, because in the Christian church, sometimes we don't always take so kindly to doubters. Uh, We sometimes have a hard time with those who question things. And I would say, for a, a good chunk of history, Uh, The church, sometimes the attitude has been, oh, don't ask those questions. We don't talk about those things. There's no room for any doubts in your minds. And and I really appreciate how Jude tells the Christians to have mercy on those who doubt, to not condemn them, to not judge them, but instead to come alongside of them, uh, to treat them kindly, to seek to understand, to seek to work through those things with them. I'm reminded of this most clearly through the life of our Lord Jesus, who, with one of his disciples, he repeatedly shows mercy to, who doubted frequently, and that's Thomas. Thomas asked lots of hard questions. He was a little bit of a skeptic. He didn't always believe as quickly as others did. He wanted to to see things. He wanted to understand in his mind how they worked. And Jesus was patient with him. And Jesus came alongside of him and was merciful to him in that. And I believe that it would be an amazing thing if the church of God today could emulate Jesus' mercy in that toward doubters. Uh, Instead of judging, condemning, criticizing for asking questions, that instead we would look at ourselves as lifelong learners and say, you know what, those are some great questions. Let's look into it together. And to recognize that just because someone is is doubting doesn't mean that they don't believe. It just means that they're wrestling through some questions. That's an okay thing. And it's an okay thing to wrestle through those things as we follow after the Lord. I remember uh, being 10 years old and sitting in my family's living room. My dad had a practice of leading us through a nightly family devotions. And in one of the evenings, I remember talking to my dad and just saying, Dad, I don't really understand very much about the Holy Spirit. How does this all work? How does the Spirit actually come and work in our lives? It doesn't make sense to me. And what I so appreciate about my dad is that he didn't look at me and say, Son, don't ask those questions. You'll just understand someday. But he just very patiently and lovingly walked through those questions with me and said, You know what? That's a great question. Let's look into it together. And I pray That is, we think about what Jude says here, that we would be able to emulate that as well. The sixth thing that he mentions there is to save others by snatching them out of the fire. And one of my favorite pictures in the New Testament that is portrayed here in Jude is that we as Christians are called to be firefighters. Yes, some of our firefighters here in our congregation, you're not the only ones whom God has chosen to use. He's called for all of us to be that to go into those who are, are right near being burned and to snatch them away from it to, to save them. Not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. That there are those who are on a broad path of destruction and a path that leads to death. And our call is to rush in, to grab them, and, and to save them from their incoming doom. Uh, we are called to be spiritual firefighters and the Lord's army. Seventh, uh, Jude mentions there to show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Um, this is kind of another interesting one where what Jude is, is writing about here is this idea of, of having mercy toward those who are unbelieving, um, desiring to bring them the gospel that they would repent and have life, but to do so carefully, cautiously, uh, having a disdain for sin in their life that we wouldn't be affected by that. Not that we have a disdain for them. There's a separation between how I feel about the person and how I feel about their lifestyle. I can love the person and hate the sin. And there needs to be a little bit of that caution in our lives, friends, lest we also be tempted and and become entrapped in those same sins ourselves. Uh, Paul writes in Galatians 6.1, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And I really believe that that's the dynamic that Jude is addressing here, that we would have mercy to those who are unbelieving or outside of Christ, caught in sin, but that we would also be careful as we come alongside of them, lest we would also fall into temptation. And that we would have a the same kind of attitude towards sin as God does, not wanting it to to be a part of our lives, but that we would reach out in mercy to those who need to be saved. Friends, the good news today that we hear from Jude is that Jesus is coming soon. He's coming to redeem those who are his from this sinful world that we live in, to take us to a place to be with him forever. And that is going to be a glorious day. And in the meanwhile, our call is to receive these gifts from God, Uh, These opportunities to be built up, to be coming to him in prayer, uh, to be an ambassador for him and his kingdom. Our call is to be ready. And my prayer is that God would work these things out in our lives as we follow after him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word presented here in Jude. Lord, I pray for my friends that you would do a work in their heart to draw them to yourselves through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to God's Word for today. If you are impacted by the message you've heard, please consider donating to the ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church by visiting www.livingwordaflc.org.